Hey yo, what's going on ATL gang? It's your boy Tuan here. Nab and I just recorded a special episode with a special guest, our best buddy Dayon. And on this episode, we talked about the NBA All-Star Game, uh, the announcements with the starters, the reserves, highlighted by Toronto Raptors' very own Freddie Van Vliet, as well as Vaughn's native son, Maple Jordan, Andrew Wiggins. Um, And then we also talk about the trade deadline. Um, A lot of smoke coming out from some of these front offices, uh, a big move by the Clippers in a trade with the Blazers. So we're expecting a lot of movements, a lot of action coming up. So honestly, this was an awesome, awesome episode to to, uh, record and hope you guys enjoy. Uh, Please stay safe and uh, thanks for listening. Peace. Welcome back to another episode of the ACL Podcast. We are on episode number 48. We got a really good one for you guys this morning. This past week, the NBA announced the starters and shortly after that, the reserves for this year's All-Star Game being held in Cleveland. And with the trade deadline looming this upcoming Thursday, we definitely have a lot to talk about, including trade rumors and actual trades that have gone down. But before we get there, we got to bring in not one, but two special people onto the mic. Of course, my co-host Nav and the one and only Dayan Stajic. What's going on, boys? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. What up? What up? Dayan, so back nice to have building. you back. Yeah, yeah I mean, what's been going on? Uh, you know, same old stuff, just getting out of lockdown over here and uh, tasting some freedom this past weekend. My body is uh, super sore from trying to play pickup basketball for the first time in six months. So that's that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to think, when was the last time we had Dan on a podcast? I feel like it was at least like a year ago. Definitely been a minute. It was at yeah. some like milestone. Was it like the 20th episode or 25th? I can't recall, but probably 25th. Wow. I don't know. I, I don't we think we'd doing be celebrating awards. I think I was ranting about soccer. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you haven't off. been on. Yeah, a little bit minute. off topic. This guy is a basketball <laughs> podcast. Well, let me tell you about the European Super League. Like, what? True, true. That's that's actually when it was. Um, how's the uh how's the uh the situation back back home in Ontario. Have you guys been able to go to the gym, go to good uh, Mavadi, good life, whatever? How, how's that going for you guys? We're back in the gym, man. Everything's everything's looking up. Um, they're saying you know the mask mandate and all that stuff might get lifted by by March at some point. So we're definitely in the home stretch. Feels like that at least. Um, obviously, um, nothing would surprise me at this point, but feels good. Yeah, yeah, same here. Went to the gym this week. Went to a restaurant the other night so getting that sense of normalcy back mm-hmm. yeah no that's good that's good um quick question for you guys you know in la it's pretty hype right now with with all things super bowl so we, we saw what happened last week Bengals taking down the chiefs um and then the rams coming back against the niners what are, what are your super bowl predictions for for next week so like my heart is with joe burrow and the cincinnati Bengals. But if I'm looking at it rationally, there was no way that the LA Rams should lose this game. They have the experience, they have the the players, the coaching. I think through all throughout all facets of the game, they should win this Super Bowl. But that being said, 
I'm a big Joe Burrow fan. I like Jamar Chase. I like the the Bengals, like what they've done uh, this year. It's fantastic. I, I don't remember the Bengals ever being good. You know, people make jokes about the Bills. Oh, in our lifetime, the Bills weren't the Bills were really good. They had a, a, a couple of Super Bowl runs in the 90s. In my lifetime, I don't remember the Cincinnati Bengals ever being good. So I, I want to see them win. I thought that would be, I think that would be a great story. But realistically, I think LA will will come out with it. Yeah, I mean, as a lukewarm as a lukewarm fan, like you know, getting into football more intensely this season, I think it's been fun watching the Bengals do what they do. Um, and I admire, I admire the Bengals. I admire uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. I kind of remember they remind me of a, a Memphis Grizzlies of the NFL, just uh, young and blossoming. Um, but yeah, you know, LA like fake ass crowd. No offense, but <laughs> you know, when I was watching that game, all I saw in the stands was red. And you know, it's just classic LA fan base confusion. I'm not sure who they're cheering for, what they're cheering for, but they just love the bottle service, the nice arena <laughs> and all the bougie shit. Right. So, I mean, when I see that, I'm kind of like, you know, a classic LA fan base. Let's go Bengals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't defend that. No, I, I saw, I definitely saw a lot of red, red jerseys in the crowd. Um, honestly, I, it, well, of course it's because San Fran is pretty close. And I think, you know, if you're going to make the the drive down or flight, anywhere it might might as well be LA right so yeah that's that's you know obviously some reason for that but um yeah no I'm picking the Rams I just want to know what the the spread's gonna look like hopefully it's not anything more than four because uh, I got killed last week I bet I bet Rams to win but I had them minus three and a half and they they won by three so you know that that 0.5 kind of fucked me but um uh-huh. Yeah, enough about gambling. <laughs> no, it's four on Bodog. I actually sent Dan a message this morning. I was like, um, 40 bucks each. And I think it just pays out 190. George is like, not enough money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need, uh, let, let me, let me, or no, some of those. LMAO, not worth it. <laughs> yeah, let me know. Uh, let me in on some of those prop bets. I want to, I want to get on, uh, get in on some of that. But um, all right, let's, let's talk. Basketball boys, you know, the, the big news coming out of the Great White North is uh, Freddie Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors has been selected to his first NBA All-Star game uh, by the coaches. So super, super impressive for a guy that, um, you know, spent four years at Wichita State, had a great, great college career, uh, but went undrafted, partly due to obviously his, his own part because, you know, he... he probably had some promises uh but as you know as you guys all know that he bet on himself became a undrafted rookie uh went into a Raptors situation where they already had you know great point guard depth they had Lowry um they even had like DeLon Wright another guy that went top 20 um uh in in his draft and you know he came in you know, learned a lot from not only um, Coach Casey, uh, Lowry, um, you know, those guys. It's just, it's crazy to see his, his, his career projection six years right now. He's, he's learned so much from Lowry, um, kind of the, his, his, his brother's role player or his, like his role model. And seeing what he's done coming off the bench for a team that won the championship, having big games, big buckets. And now to see him, you know, become an all-star, which is pr- pretty insane, um, you know, to, 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 to say that. So, you know, just wanted to give him big props up from, especially on this pod. But, you know, what, what was your reaction when you guys 
saw that alert on like Apple News or whatever news outlet you guys get your information from? How how was your um, reaction when you saw that he became an all star? Well, nothing he does surprises me, to be honest, at this point. You know, he entered the league with an unwavering amount of self-belief and that sort of carried him through his season or his uh, career thus far. Right. So think about it. NBA champion, uh, the extension that he signed. And like you said, I actually wrote down here that he beat out DeLon Wright at a time when the Raptors had established point guards. And if you were just an NBA coach or scout uh, doing the eye test on a basketball player, right. You would take probably take DeLon Wright nine times out of 10. He's a prototypical uh, lengthy point guard, but you know, uh, Fred Van Fleet, like he's just done so much as a miniature point guard in the league. And I think sky's the limit for this guy going forward. Yeah, I thought it was very well deserved. I actually got the news from you guys since you are my you are my source of uh, <laughs> uh, alerts or updates. But um, yeah, I know I'm really happy for, uh, for for Fred Van Fleet there. Um, you know, I think he I think I saw he's what the fifth undrafted player to become an all star. And we see that list like it's a pretty solid like Ben Wallace. You forgot that he went undrafted. Brad Miller was on that John Starks too. So I'm just really happy for him. It's a testament to um, the hard work and the time he's put in. And he's actually like, really, I'm not surprised that he is uh, an all-star this year. He plays very well. He plays like an all-star, especially for a team that's rising in those Eastern conference standings. And he puts them on his back sometimes at, at the end of games, you know, and Pascal has been playing very well lately too. So some argument could be made there for him too, but I'm, Bottom line for, for Fred Van Vliet, very happy for him and very well-deserved. Yeah, I mean, Pascal's definitely streaking and trending. And, you know, at the end of the season, we're going to definitely be, um, you know, Pascal is definitely going to have some maybe third-team All-NBA potentially if he keeps playing the way that he's playing. But, I mean, Fred has been bailing us out of games for the first half of the season. And I think what surprises me the most is I'm very lukewarm with the, the Raptors' half-court offense. It kind of scares me at times, but the amount of big shots that Fred Van Fleet has hit at late in games, uh, deep from the three-point line, it, it's shocking, but he keeps doing it. So it's like, it's a part of his DNA now. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah, that, that, that pull-up three with like 18 seconds on the shot clock. And I'm like, fuck, this is exactly what Lowry used to do. When teams are transitioning back on D, they're kind of, you know, lost and no one has, um, has Freddie and he's, you know, probably one foot in from the logo and he's been he's been const consistently making that shot over and over and um the, the one game this past week where he played miami in the the triple overtime game and he had like a very poor th first three quarters and then clutch in late in the fourth clutch in the first and second ot just making big buckets after the, what they were down three four points against miami so yeah. that's basically been his like within his repertoire since he's joined the Raptors. He's always been a big, big shot maker, um, either in the playoffs, uh, you know, important regular season games. He's always that guy making that crucial three. And um, I just wanted to ask you guys, like, he's had some pretty significant moments with the Raptors. Uh, so do you guys have a, you know, Freddie moment that, you know, comes to mind when, when you just think, hey, this guy, you know, big balls, a guy that just great, great shot creator. So um, any moment, either regular season, playoffs, uh, that comes to mind when you when you think about uh, Freddie Van Vliet. Well, I think for me, it would be 2019. He went through a massive slump in the playoffs. Um, the Raptors were just like squeaking by. 
some of these wins and, and series wins, uh, a lot, there was a lot of doubt around Fred Van Fleet. And what sticks out to me is once he had the kid and he was just True. on fire, right. <laughs> against Philadelphia. Like, and again, I said it earlier in this pod, I said, you know, un, unwavering self-belief, like the guy did not change his shot selection. He did not change the amount of threes that he was shooting. Um, he just had confidence and he kept, he kept shooting until he finally started making them. I can't remember the specifics of what the game situation was like, but what sticks out to me was game six in Oakland when uh, I can't recall like what was actually going on, but it was like that part of the game in the second half, either the third quarter or the fourth, where the Raptors needed a bucket and he took the big shot. And it, I think he hit a couple threes down the stretch there to kind of extend the lead um, in that, you know, uh, d- deciding game six. So that, that performance sticks out to me obviously because there was so much on the line. I'll never forget the first quarter and when Kyle Lowry went off and us knewing like, okay, if yeah. Lowry's playing this well, we're, we're winning this tonight. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that game six against Golden State. Yeah, it was it was on um, Cook. He, had, he crossed him over or he like faked him out, had a big three at top of the key. Uh, I think he had two big threes yeah. um, late in that game. For me, I think it was when uh, we were all in Deion's basement. It was game five against the, the Bucks. And, um, yeah, this is after the Raptors, you know, came back from being down 2-0. Uh, yeah, tied 2-2. And then they're playing in Milwaukee, probably the decisive game. Whoever wins this game, yeah. wins that series and goes into the finals playing against a depleted Warriors team. And I remember him just making three after three after three. And I think he was like seven for nine from three. Um, huge moment for him again, especially since he struggled a bit against Philly in the previous series. And he just, you know, played so well against us, you know, a very stacked Milwaukee team. So that and probably last year's 50, like four point Raptor high um, against the Magic, where I think he like shot something insane, like a, a true shooting percentage of like higher than 100. I remember watching that game and being like, yo, this is unreal for a guy that's like six foot six one at the most yeah. and just, yeah, insane, insane. So those are the two definitely moments that I, I think of when, you know, when I think of Freddie and the, the career that he's had so far. So uh, yeah, man, just super excited as a Raptors fan to, to see him get recognized by the coaches. You know, this is not obviously a fan vote or a player's vote or a media vote. It's actually from the coaches. So I think it goes a little further when, yeah. when you think about that. So uh, super happy for him. Um, but also, you know, talking about Canada, talking about Canadians. Um, how about we get into the kind of uh, controversial starter uh, for the West, uh, Vaughn's very own Andrew Wiggins as a starter uh, for, you know, for, for the Warriors who are 40 and 13. Uh, a lot of hype behind this team. Uh, Clay coming back. But, you know, Wiggins... Probably gonna get scrutinized a little bit because his stats don't fly off the page for you, but he's a guy that has consistently been uh, one of the best defenders for his team, and he's just playing well. I don't know, like he's shooting close to fifty percent, forty-two percent from three, so he's probably one of the best three and D guys. And he was basically a um, salary dump for for the Timberwolves when they traded uh, a first-round pick, which became, I believe, Kaminga for um, D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell. So Warriors definitely t- won that trade by far. Hilarious. So um, 
Yeah. What What are your thoughts when when Wiggins was what was named a starter um, a few days back? Yeah, I mean, you could you could say that him being a starter is bold, but at the same time, with Clay being injured and Draymond um, also being you know injured from time to time, he's he's the second best player on the Golden State team, who's number two right now in the NBA. So he's averaging nineteen four and two. And honestly, I'm just really happy for the guy. You know, you can scrutinize him being a starter, but he's definitely going to be on the all-star team no matter what. So, I mean, they are second best in the in the NBA, so why not be a starter? I think it's it's good for him in the sense that there's been that stigma around him about being a bust. And like you said, the trade from Minnesota to Golden State. Um, but on top of that, like earlier this season, all that vaccination stuff, it didn't do well for his reputation. And you know, he was one of the guys that bought in and said, you know what, this is a situation that's bigger than myself. Unlike Kyrie, I'm going to do it for my teammates. And the outcome couldn't have been better, right? Because he's playing the best basketball of his career. And uh, for him to get the recognition as an all-star starter, I think it just bodes well to the entire situation. Yeah, I thought it was well-deserved. And again, my opinion is probably biased because I, I watch a lot more Golden State games than I do, say, Phoenix. So Phoenix being the top team in the West, they probably should have been rewarded with one of their backcourt guys being a starter. But that being said, before Clay came back and the Warriors were firing in all cylinders, Wiggins was carrying the load quite a bit. I know Steph was going out of his mind and he's been in a bit of a slump lately, but Wiggins was one, like, if not 1A, then like 1B uh, in terms of their primary scoring option um, in that run to start the season. So I think it's a very well-deserved pick. Uh, he deserves to be an all-star. Um, the fact that he's a starter, good for him that he got the vote from the fans, the media, um, the players uh, to, to sustain that. Um, and again, an argument can be made for the likes of Booker or Chris Paul, but hey, Bill, everyone's going to get playing time. This is just for argument's sake. And it is a popularity contest to a certain extent um, that life isn't fair. Yeah. And you know, it's actually, it's actually interesting too. We've talked about it on this podcast. Like there's no better role in the NBA than Andrew Wiggins role. Like you play alongside the, the Splash Brothers and Draymond Green. All you literally have to do with your big ass contract is hit open shots and be the best perimeter defender for those guys. Right. So um, he is in a very cushy spot and he's and he's just thriving in that role. And I love to see it like Steve Kerr was saying uh, they were scrimmaging in Denver. The Golden State game against the Nuggets had been postponed because of COVID. And there was a little bit of a disconnect with Andrew Wiggins as soon as Clay Thompson came back because there was just a an unfamiliarity with his role. And the one thing, the one thing Steve Kerr said to him, and he hasn't looked back since, is don't worry about Clay. Clay's gonna find his shot. Uh, we need you to be aggressive. And I think what Golden State is doing uh, persistently, whether it's like in post-game conferences or in the locker room, is they're encouraging this guy to play aggressively. Do not think, because when this guy goes off, he's he's unstoppable. Like he's, he's very, 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 um, sorry, unstoppable. So um, yeah, I think they're just going to continue to fuel this guy's confidence and it's cool to see. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I was a little surprised that he was the starter uh, just because I know, I think how, how the voting break breaks down is, or like the, the system is, I think it's 50% fan votes, 25% player vote and 25% uh, media vote. So he, he was super popular in the fan voting. I think just playing for the Golden State Warriors. And then I think there was like a Korean pop star that that uh, one, one of the Golden State's like global ambassadors, he tweeted something out and 
got a bunch of like K-pop yeah. fans to to vote for Wigan. So um, you know that that's a pretty funny story. But um, I was surprised that the media, like the media and even his um, colleagues, had you know voted him in a bit. So um, and also even this year with with the West and you know Paul George and Kawhi Leonard not being in the mix, it kind of just was a perfect storm for him to to get not only a starter but just even a, a, a all-star spot there so yeah man super happy for him too he's a he's a guy that you know we've watched really grow from grade seven eight nine you know he played at you know in Vaughn um and then went to Huntington Prep went to Kansas you know a, a lot has been said about him being not having the passion not having you know the love for the game but I think it just says more about you know being in the right situation being in the right environment um because this guy has always been able to score you know, I think he's like average career-wise at 20 point per game. So he's actually below his career career numbers uh, for the season. He's he, I think he scored like 23 a game in his like second or third year. So he, we know he can score the bucket, but now he's actually put in the right position, playing his role a little better um, and, you know, really well-deserved to uh, for the Golden State Warriors to have him as one of their all-stars. Uh, but let, let's talk about uh, some other all-stars here, you know, um, huge list. You know, a few guys, first timers, John Morant, Darius Garland, uh, a, bu- a bunch of guys that are, you know, making it to their 15, 16 All-Star games, uh, LeBron, CP3. Uh, but, you know, out of, out of that group, do you guys have like a favorite pick, um, you know, that that was triggered when you guys saw maybe the name that that uh, on the on the list there? Uh, any guys that particularly come up for you guys when when you have like a favorite uh, pick so far. Dan, you want me to go? Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's two for me, uh, one in the East, one in the West. It's our boy, Damar. Once again, we've, we talked about him last episode, but to see him in, you know, in the top 10 and MVP conversation to see him in the first team, all-star conversation. And now to see him as uh, a starter for the Eastern conference, I don't think he made the all-star team last year uh, for no. San Antonio. So to see him back in the mix, like, it's just so good to see. And we're talking about, you know, the right environment for a player. There's no better environment uh, for DeMar than Chicago. And we've talked about that at length. Um, and I think, I think he's going to take this one seriously. He seems, he seems like one of those guys that are going to take the all-star game seriously. The second guy for me is John Morant, who's also going to take it seriously. And without Damian Lillard, without Westbrook, guys who have been notorious for um, just making sure that it's a competitive environment. I think John Morant's going to, going to, um, take past the torch yeah I was gonna say my I'm, I'm very happy for the likes of John Morant because I think he's a he's a very good basketball player and I like his attitude I like the way that they approach games down there in Memphis where they're not really trying to be buddy buddy like they're going out for everyone's throat um and, and I think he's just he's a very exciting type of player I hope he can sustain that over from a longevity perspective because he plays so hard he plays like an Allen Iverson type of player um so I'm happy for him um, uh, I guess the ones that I, when I look at the list of reserves and uh, starters, I like it when good teams get rewarded, um, teams that are being successful in the season. So the likes of the Chicago Bulls, like DeMar being a starter, that's fantastic. Levine making the all-star team as well. Cleveland having a great year. Darius Garland, good for you. Like, I don't watch that many Cleveland games, but I know that they're playing well. Um, so kudos to him for making the all-star team. And you could even argue that they could have had another uh, player on their team. So that, that when I go down this list, I like seeing the teams that are having a successful season be rewarded with having all-stars on their team. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Dej. And 
I, I would even say for me, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm just, John Moran has really just, I, I don't know, I've been infatuated with kind of his play and the, how he's, he, how he's kind of led that team. Um, I was listening to um, a podcast that Draymond was on with uh, JJ Redick. And he was asked like, hey, who do you, who are some of like the smartest players in the league? And obviously he lists off LeBron James, CP3, but then he throws in like, hey, I have like an honorable mention and that's John Morant. He just thinks the game differently when, when, you know, he's, their their team's on offense and we're on defense. Like he is thinking the game at a different level. He's, it's, it's like a chess match he was, he was mentioning and, you know, getting that call out from one of probably the, the best I would say probably the best defender in the league right now, but also one of the best defenders probably uh, of this generation um, and getting that props from him, I think is huge. I think people are just recognizing how well he's been playing. You know, he's, he's not super ball dominant. He, he plays within the team, team strategy and uh, flow of the game. So um, yeah, super happy. And, you know, Memphis Grizzlies probably had argument that they could have had a few other guys in there. Um, Triple J, even Baines, who again a second-year player is playing super well. They're just super stacked and super, super deep. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see how that team continues to play this year. Um, there's there's a few guys that still might have a chance because there are some um, East and West injuries. So I believe on the West side, Draymond is not playing the All-Star game, and then um, KD is not playing. So there's probably a few snubs that might make it but you know we don't I don't think they've decided that yet so do you guys um out of all the guys that were snubbed you know most notably uh Pascal Jared Allen LaMelo Ball uh even Miles Bridges uh are there who's who's the one guy that you probably think deserves it the most um that that wasn't on the initial uh list so far um so for me it was LaMelo Ball on the Eastern Conference until I was listening to the Mismatch pod and heard one of the most fascinating stats about Chris Middleton and Jared Allen. So the All-Star Games in Cleveland and Garland got uh, accepted or got voted into the All-Star Game. Big ups for him. Chris Middleton was 32nd in the player vote and 14th in the fan vote. Mo Bamba was higher in the player vote than Chris Middleton. Wow. Jared Allen was fifth in the player vote, sixth in the fan vote, and didn't get accepted into the All-Star game. So I found that a pretty fascinating statistic. Um, It was LaMelo ball for me on the Eastern Conference. But after that, I'm kind of like, man, Jared Allen is having a pretty good year. And uh, it's too bad that he didn't get the nod this year. Chris Middleton, I mean, he's just not an All-Star game I'm not, a, I'm not very enthusiastic about watching him in the all-star game, to be honest. Um, so yeah, would have loved to see LaMelo ball throw some oops. Yeah. My pick would be uh, DeJounte Murray, Murray, excuse me. I think he's having a great season down there in San Antonio. That's the the one name, but so maybe he might take a, I think Draymond even suggested that on, um, on when they announced the reserves there on TNT, but I don't know. It seems like a good group of guys and, yeah, we'll see how hard they even play. I guess I have one question that I can ask out to you guys after you're done, but we can go through your list of reserves. Nav, I had the same thought, man. Like Chris Melton, I don't think he even, like, I think Drew Holiday might even be like a more deserving 
all-star player and that's the guy on his own team. So, um, you know, obviously that's debatable there. I think a big call out, and I think this is still definitely a possibility, but Pascal um, has been playing out of his goddamn mind um, the last, I would say, two months. Um, you know, I, I think if not for his shoulder injury um, and the, the the surgery that he had to have in the offseason, and probably I think he missed like the first month and a bit uh, of the season, but he's playing like the pre-bubble Pascal we saw, the guy that was all-star starter, uh, second team All-NBA. Um, he just found that 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 mid-range that he had early on uh, in his career and kind of lost it a bit when he became kind of the 1A, 1B option for the Raptors. Uh, now that the team is more, you know, the starting five is definitely more competitive. I think uh, he doesn't have that much strain anymore to, to be that go-to scorer. He has, you know, Freddie, has OG, has Gary Trent, again, who has been playing out of his goddamn mind. So I, I think Pascal has a chance. But for me, I would, I, I would like to see Jared Allen in there. Uh, it, it would be funny to, uh, or not funny, but it'd be great to see him play in front of his hometown crowd. Um, and get, again, this guy was just kind of a throw-in for that Harden trade. Cavs just kind of took, took him off uh, Houston's plate and look, look at what they've been able to achieve with him and a young Mobley and you know a garland and you know sexton's been out but they're, they're still playing well rubio has been out with achilles so uh cab still playing very well and I, I think he deserves a spot there yeah the one thing i want to say about pascal though like i think this is a good year for him to eat humble pie like i don't want him to make the all-star team because i want more humble hustle hashtag doing it for you <laughs> whatever this guy's doing like i think he just needs to get a bit more fo- like a good point this is good i want him to be hungry i want him to be an underdog i want him to keep playing this way i want him to help us win some playoff series and he'll be an all-star next year true no that's that's a good point that's a good point yeah all right um enough about the all-star we have again um, as i mentioned earlier we have the trade deadline looming i believe it's this thursday um so a lot of rumors a lot of activity happening um you know the, the first big move so far uh happened a few days ago trade between the clippers and trailblazers so la traded um eric bledsoe winslow keon johnson who so he was their first overall or no first round pick in this past year's draft and a second round pick to the blazers for norman powell former raptor awesome player and Robert Covington who they had traded a two first round picks for like 15 months ago. And they also traded Trent jr. Away to, to the Raptors for norm. So looks like a salary dump after signing Norman Powell to that five year, $90 million contract um, makes zero sense, but they must, they must have some sort of direction. Now I think they, they waited too long on that Dame trade to, to happen. Now he's hurt, losing value by the minute. CJ McCollum, again, is getting older. I think he's like 30 years old now. And huge contract there. So looks like Portland might be making moves. But, you know, what were your reactions to kind of that first, I would call it, I would even call it a blockbuster trade because I think it's, no. it's still a players, pretty big um... move. <laughs> no, it's still like, I, I think it helps the Clippers a lot, like the, Obviously, their their top two players are out with injuries, but they're a decent team. I think Norman Powell is a great 
piece on any championship team. I think Robert Covington just hasn't really found his groove very anywhere, and they really didn't give anything up. Okay, I, sorry, not a blockbuster, but it's a huge. I think it's a big trade that can um, affect kind of the playoff picture if Kawhi gets back in there and if PG's in there. But obviously, that's dependent on that. But what are your thoughts on on that trade? Yeah, I think um, for Portland, my my guess would be that this is sort of the the grounds for pressing the reset button. I think. For the Clippers, it's a great get. I mean, we know Norm really well. Kawhi knows Norm very well. And I think where what they're doing with Norm is very similar to what they're doing with Andrew Wiggins. Fantastic perimeter defender, very capable of hitting spot-up open threes. He can create for himself a little bit too, but uh, you're just putting a guy in a role where he doesn't have to be number two um, or number one, and he gets to just sort of ride the coattails of Paul George and Kawhi when they're healthy. I personally don't know what either of these teams are doing. Um, I, I get you, you guys have said good points on, on both sides of it, but I, uh, to a, and obviously to a lesser extent with LA, but looking at it from Portland's perspective, to me, it feels like their window uh, is closing. If not, it's already closed, which is kind of a shame because look at their team maybe two years ago and they were right up there battling it out for the Western conference championship. So I, I think it's a shame what what's happened with them. And yeah, I agree with you that they're trying to rebuild maybe and looking ahead, trying to lock up Anthony Simons to a long-term extension. So clearing the space for that, looking at it from the LA Clippers perspective. I mean, when we say, when I hear Ty Lue say, I don't think Kawhi is going to come back this year, then I don't know why you need these players to be more of a supporting role. So you can battle, battle it out for like the fifth or sixth seed in the, in the West. Like, I don't know, but time will tell. If he get if he comes back healthy, if Paul George is healthy, then I think they're great acquisitions in terms of role players. Um, but and maybe that's what they want to see in, in the next couple of years. But injuries seem to be um, the Achilles' heel for the Clippers right now. So um, I don't know if this will help them this year, and and time will tell if it'll help them in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing for the Clippers is uh, you don't need to make prudent decisions necessarily when your owner is like the richest man in the world. Um, so I don't think they're worried about like the luxury tax or anything like that going forward, you know, mm -hmm. taking on Norm's contract um, and like blockbuster, maybe jumbo video, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think it's important too to, to just recognize Portland and where they've been over the last 10 years, very competent franchise. And I know, you know, they haven't necessarily won championships, but you know, they had, um, what's his face that got injured? The light skin guy who's a legend. Brandon Roy. They had Brandon Roy. They had the Brandon Roy era. They had the LaMarcus Aldridge and Damian Lillard era. Um, they had the CJ and Dame era. And, I mean, they got a lot further than they should have with like Yusuf Nurkic and Ennis Cantor and some of the role players that they had, right? So yeah. I think if you're a fan base, you're 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 full, like you, you had a good meal. Um, and if you have to, hit the pavement for a few years. I'm, I'm pretty confident that, you know, they're competent enough to get themselves back into a competitive level. Oh yeah. That's a good, that's a great point. Um, yeah. That, that franchise has just had a bunch of really shitty um, injury situations. Again, like you said, Brandon Roy, who had to retire early because of like a degenerate knee issue. And then Greg Oden as well. Yeah. Um, you know, again, that's a huge, um pick that did not pan out and the the following pick was Kevin Durant so that changes a lot if you know you make one one decision over the other but um just the yeah, one I, I, on that one like in hindsight obviously it was the wrong decision but 
I think we would all agree going back to that time in, in, in place, that was the right call. Drafting Greg Gargota oh, yes. at that time was the right move. Like no one would have questioned you. No, 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 no doubt about it. No, that was, that was the right move. This guy, Greg Oden, I think he hurt his like right hand in the, in the tournament, in the NCAA tournament. He was playing left-handed and he was fucking crushing dudes. Yeah, man. He was killing them. Yeah, I, I remember that. So he, he was one of the guys that were like, were like, okay, this guy could be like next generations, like Shaq, the next like yeah. uh, Robinson. Uh, but again, just knee injuries derailed his career. And um, yeah, we're, we're kind of seeing a pattern here for, for the Blazers franchise. So yeah, it might just be time to blow it up, especially with, like you guys said, Anthony Simons um, playing very well as, as, as a young backcourt dude. And um, it would have been nice to see him paired up with Gary Trent Jr. Uh, but, you know, I'm glad that with the Raptors have him and we, we, we got a kind of a flamethrower player to, to, put, to put within our roster. So really nice to see you there. Um, let's talk buyers and sellers. Do you guys have any teams in mind that you, you think are looking to, you know, make calls and uh, make moves to bolster the roster, either because they're like a middle of the pack team and looking to take that next step or just already a contender that just needs, you know, one or two pieces, maybe to fill out a uh, backup center position or find another guard to handle the ball. Uh, any teams that you think just needs that one or two players that can kind of take them over the top or kind of put them right in the picture, uh, especially in a wide open um, conference uh, on both sides right now? Um, man, I don't want to sound like a homer, but I think, I think there is a serious, fantastic opportunity for the Toronto Raptors uh, with the way that the league is pairing out, the amount of parity right now with injuries, uh, Brooklyn being injured, Kyrie only being able to play um, half these games, and who knows what that's going to look like in the playoffs if they do match up against Brooklyn. Toronto needs rebounding help urgently, but the fact that they're winning games the way that they are and their team is blossoming before our eyes, I think what we're seeing right now is very serious and very special. Um, for them to maybe pick up a guy like Yusuf Nurkic if, if the Blazers are going to press the reset button, or JV, imagine JV back uh, back in the Raptors uniform. I don't know what New Orleans is doing right now with Zion, and I don't know what their outlook holds. Like their GM might get fired. Um, so there is there's a serious need for some front court help, and there's some names out there that the Raptors could use, and I think that would really help this team uh, make a make a serious playoff push. That'd be a cool pickup. I would definitely like go to Wasega Beach with you guys for a week. <laughs> the Raptors got JV back. Um, from my perspective, there's a couple of teams that, uh, that I think are kind of, and, and I don't really have good answers for what they need, but they just feel like they're a piece or two away. So I think of, um, the Dallas Mavericks in the, in the Western conference, I think they're sitting at like maybe fifth or sixth in the standings. So they're right in the, right in the running there in terms of the playoffs. But every time I watch them, it just feels like they're another piece away from being a legitimate contender. Like they're solid on all grounds, but you know, they might play poorly defensive. I know their defensive rating has improved this year under Jason Kidd, but I feel like sometimes they're missing that uh, a solid defender or they're missing another scoring option um, to lighten the load off of Luca there. So that's, that's the one team I, I think of in the Western conference. And, uh, and then on the Eastern side of things, I think of the Philadelphia 76ers. And this is a this is a team that is relying a lot on Joel Embiid, and I think he's having a fantastic season. He's probably the front runner for MVP at this point. He's been playing so well, 
And I know there's that whole issue with Simmons and whatever's going on there, but I feel like that's another team that if they could get an upgrade and get another scoring option, um, I don't know how well Tobias Harris has been producing this year, but if they get another option there to lighten the load off of Embiid, they could really, you know, make some moves in the Eastern Conference and kind of threaten for that um, for that NBA final spot. Yeah, I, I think Philly really needs to think about taking 40 cents on the dollar for Ben Simmons because this window may be the last opportunity they have to contend with the way uh, the league works with injuries and just the uncertainties, right? So what do you think, Tuan? Yeah, I was going to say there's this bit of a, like, you know, a, a lot of smoke coming out from the, the Nets and 76ers trade rumors now. I know that they've been picking up conversations there. Um, if somehow they get Harden, ooh, I don't, like, I know Harden hasn't been playing super, super well, definitely not up to his, um, to his level. But if they're able to, you know, package Simmons with either a Maxi or a Thibel, um, and, you know, get Harden uh, onto a team with Joel Embiid again. He is probably um, the, the, top, the, top, the favorite right now to win MVP. He's been playing out of his – yeah, he's been playing so well. Uh, but that could also be because he doesn't have that extra – that other star player that's ho- holding onto the ball. So, But I think Harden and Embiid would be a tremendous fit, knowing kind of how um, Harden has played with, you know, Dwight Howard, played with Capella – He's not only a threat from the three, you know, his floater is on point in the, in, in the paint, but he also is one of the best lob, yeah. lob passers in the league. So I think they would be, you know, a tremendous uh, pairing, especially with Tobias Harris and the rest of that team there. So we'll, we'll see if a move is made. If not, that just means Ben Simmons continues to uh, lose money as days go by. I just heard like, or I just read something that he's lost like 20 mil so far this year because of all the games that he sat. Um, so I'm sure they're looking to to make a move from his side and his and his representation. And again, like you said, Embiid is probably good. I don't, how, how much longer can he play at this level for? Yeah. Uh, either through just, he might wear down. Again, a guy that has injury concerns and you're kind of wasting that right now. So it could still be savaged, salvaged if they make a move either for Harden or another uh, ball handler of, of some sort. Uh, I can definitely see that. Uh, and for me, I'm, I'm wondering if the Grizzlies make a move. You know, they're on the cusp right now. You know, they're still a young team. Do, they, do you want to continue just building with this team and seeing how far they go? Uh, or do you, you know, make a move for someone like uh, Sabonis or a, you know, another uh presence down low to really compliment Jaron Jackson, compliment um, Bain, um, John Morant, Dylan Brooks. You probably have to trade one of those guys, but um, if you can make a move to get some veteran veteran presence on that team and make an impact, like kind of like what the Suns did, you know, they, they picked up CP3 when they were kind of that team that didn't even make the playoff set. And once they got him, they took that next level. They went to the finals. They're, top of the league right now they're playing so well and it's because they were able to you know secure that one piece that put everything together so is that what you want for the Grizzlies or do you continue holding on to the continuity holding on to that um that flow that they have as a team right now and just building off that that's a decision that they have to make now uh but 
honestly, Jaws playing so well, everyone's playing so well. It might just be best to hold on to this team and then reevaluate in the offseason saying, hey, you know, we might need this piece moving forward or just kind of see how the, the landscape um, looks like after. But um, that's an interesting question to see if the, if the Grizzlies make a move. Um, but do you guys have a, a seller, a team that's been struggling probably below expectations? Um, maybe a team that just needs to make a move like the Sacramento Kings just to kind of get out of that, not even a treadmill, they're, they're worse than a treadmill team, kind of a team that's just been in a long, long rut. Um, do you guys have one of like a team in mind that you think might be a seller based off of having a, a star player that is not happy and they're not going anywhere, kind of like a Bradley Beal? Or do you guys, yeah, any, any teams like that that you that you think of when, when you're thinking, hey, we're probably looking at a team that is looking to sell off some of their players? Um. Yeah, for me, it'd be the Blazers. But before before I dig into that, like I just want to touch on the Memphis thing. I think it's going to be really important for that organization to give these guys uh, a shot this season to finish what they started because they've caught so many people by surprise. They had a really shaky start to the season. Um, I don't think they need to make a desperation move for a veteran uh, in order to uh, take them over the hump. I think it's a little too late for that. The second half of the season will go by really quick. And I think they owe it to uh, they owe it to the players to just let them finish what they started. Um, it'll give them a lot of confidence for the future. Sellers would be the Blazers, and I think just based off what we spoke, based off what we were just talking about, right? I think Norman Powell getting shipped to the Clippers just says a lot about the direction that the team wants to go on. Um, and they have pieces. You know, there's a lot of teams that could use a guy like Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, CJ McCollum, he CJ McCollum would be a perfect fit, maybe even for like a Philly team that he doesn't need to be the the main option or the second option, but he can just sort of catch those spot up threes. And that's probably a good spot for him with all the injuries that he's had over the past three years. And then obviously Damian Lillard, there's so many teams that want to covet him. And uh, yeah, I think even with the injury, they could still get a lot of guys for Dame. Uh, my sellers probably be if I'm just looking at the Eastern and Western Conference standings on the Eastern Conference side. Uh, I think it's obvious with a team like Pacer, like the Indiana Pacers, I think they've already made it known that they're willing to, you know, dump the likes of Turner or Sabonis. So I, I see them being sellers going into the, the this, this week ahead. And then also I, I think of um, Atlanta too. Um, I think they're a team that kind of took a, maybe they went too far too fast last year. And now they're not reaching those expectations. I think I read something recently with their GM or their president basically questioning his own decision making because he chose to keep the same team together. And I, I think they who they ship or they, they got Kevin Knox, but they shipped off um, uh, Cam Reddish to to the to the New York Knicks there. So maybe they look to make a move by getting rid of John Collins or Bogdanovich, something like that, trying to get better. Or um, if they're if they are dumping those guys, then. I don't know what, where else they'd be going, but they kind of want to make use of the window that they have. Yeah, no, that's actually a great, uh, great point. Indiana obviously has been sort of highlighting the seller's market over the last couple months uh, with the frustrations of Miles Turner and Sabonis. But I really like that Atlanta uh, pick that you just mentioned because it reminds me a lot of, Tuan, what you just said about Memphis. And to me, Atlanta is a young team that clearly has a leadership crisis and their best player, Trey Young, is obviously not filling that void. Um, he's playing out of his mind, playing fantastic right now. And 
uh, Atlanta is streaking. But if there's a team that kind of needs some babysitting in the locker room to sort of take them over that hump, I think Atlanta is actually uh, a very um, in need team of a veteran presence. True. Yeah, that that team. Well, they've been playing really well. I think they they, they won eight of the last ten, and the two two losses came against the Raptors. So they're picking it up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I think teams have definitely solved them out a little bit and figured out them. Uh, especially on that run. So much, much more attention paid to them. I don't think they can come sneakily into the game and kind of pick up those like sneaky wins and whatnot. Uh, my pick for a seller, I think the Spurs are a bit interesting. I know Raptors have been linked back to Jakob Pertl, mm-hmm. um as a guy. So it's funny that, you know, you talked about JV and now Jakob Pertl possibly coming back. He, he's a guy that I think is a bit under like underrated just because he's playing with the Spurs, but he's playing really well. I think this is his best, his best season so far as a pro. Uh, they also have like Derek White, who um, is another like, um, I don't know, it's not even a stretch, but he's he's a guy that plays really well, shoots the three well, uh, but again, just playing in, in San Antonio. So it doesn't get that much exposure. Uh, I don't think DeJounte Murray is on, on the table there. He's playing outstanding. So um, Spurs... I don't know, man. They they're kind of in a really situation. But for the last few years, they've just been meddling in the in the middle of the pack there, and haven't been able to get any good draft picks. Um, they they picked up Vessel. They had they picked up the Canadian uh, Josh Primo. So they're definitely rebuilding. Uh, but um, yeah, I think the Spurs might make uh, a, a bit of noise in the next few days, uh, just from what I've been hearing so far. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's funny because I feel like playing for the Spurs is like going to boarding school, just like a place for a player to mature and, uh, you know, learn a thing or two and then go to another team and blossom. And I think I think Pirtle could add a ton of value to a team like Toronto because he's just so mobile as a big. And I mean, I'd love to see him. I would love to see him or JV back back of the wraps. Yeah, those peanut butter and jelly commercials would be great. Peanut butter and jelly. Now they got uh, now they got Barnes and uh, Trent. Uh, Trent. Yeah, that GIF money, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, all right, that's that's all I had on uh, on my list of, of topics. Do you guys have anything else you guys wanted to to bring up or anything you know interesting that you guys came across the last few days at all? I was just going to ask you guys one quick one answer: Who is the number one pick in the All Star Draft? Uh, let me see. I'll give you mine. I think it's Giannis. I think Giannis has to go. So for- who, who are the captains again? This is KD and LeBron, KD right? KD and LeBron. KD and LeBron. Yeah. I, th- I think you pick Giannis because Giannis plays hard and wants to win this game. That's that, that would be my first pick. Uh, who do we got here? We got Jokic, Curry, Ja, and Bede might go first. Um, that's a good, yeah, I think you're right. Giannis, I would love to see Jokic get first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, Jokic is going to be like me in elementary school. Last pick, fucking Tubbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is It is probably um, Giannis there. Can you bet um, on this? Is there like a future prop? Yeah, I think you, you have a problem. This? I think you need to know your limit and play within it. <laughs> I'm going jaw. I'm going jaw. I, I could do you, that. Uh, I would bet that um, who goes last? Who's the last pick? I think it might be, be Freddie. No, or, no. I, I'm sorry, so? from the starters. Oh, from the starters? Let's do both. Let's do starters and reserves. Uh, from the starters, it's probably Andrew Wiggins. 
Yeah, it's going to be Wiggins. As a last pick? I would say Trey Young. You know what? Wiggins isn't going to go last because LeBron has some re- redeeming to do. Remember when you wrote that letter to Cleveland and Wiggins <laughs> wasn't on it? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think uh, LeBron's going to uh, pick Wiggins and it's going to just come full circle. That that'd be funny. That that would be that would be hilarious. Yeah, but um, who's the last pick in the in the reserves? You guys think Middleton? Middleton, or actually Gobert maybe? I think he I was last. He was last last year and he cried. No, no, he cried because he didn't get selected. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's he, like he, I feel he, bad he, for him. Like, man, give this guy a break. It means a lot to some people. I don't know, jerks. Draymond Green, <laughs> calling him out on national TV. <laughs> true. All right. Um, Kayla, well, that, that wraps it up, boys. Thanks. Thanks for uh, jumping on. Dayon, of course. So nice to have you on. Let, let's continue getting you on these episodes. It's nice to kind of have that, that third opinion when we're both just fucking agreeing on absolutely everything. So everything's about the Raptors and I, I can remember there's 29 <laughs> other teams. No, I'm kidding. Man, one thing I will say is I hope, I hope Harden goes to Philly and they just fuck up. Like it would just make <laughs> me feel so good. Like, uh, uh, sorry, I don't want to beat a dead horse on that, but like, why, why I don't, maybe I just don't think that highly of Ben Simmons. I, I just don't, don't think, think that highly of Harden. Well, yeah, but I, I can't see Brooklyn making that trade. In my opinion, you got like Embiid has been documented eating Big Macs on the trainer's table. The last thing he needs is another guy that shows up out of shape every year to influence him <laughs> on like fast food and shit. You know, what's really good. Um, chicken McNuggets. Chicken McNuggets are a really good set. Like I, <laughs> breaking Tony, news. where do you want to go with this? Breaking news. Uh, <laughs> hey man, I haven't had McDonald's in a while. I would love a Big Mac. Big Macs are honestly my favorite things, but I, I think I've eaten enough McDonald's for the for my lifetime. So I've been trying to cut out. Uh, but yeah, chicken McNuggets, sweet and sour sauce, large fry, large iced tea, Talk big double. <laughs> Junior McChicken on the side. That that's a nice meal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, it was great catching up. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Um, let, let's get on a pod soon. And uh, yeah, it was fun as always. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for hosting, Twan. We'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Dan. Bye.